Welcome to Full Circle with Jerry Bryant. It's the classic Jesus music radio show. It's a look back at where it all began. This is Full Circle, looking back at the beginnings of today's contemporary Christian music. Now, here's your host, Jerry Bryant. Hi, everybody. This is Jerry Bryant. Welcome to another edition of Full Circle, the classic Jesus music radio show, where I'm taking you back to where it all began. Now, on this episode, I'll be visiting with Steve Scott. Now, while many of you may not have heard of Steve, You've certainly heard of those Christian musicians he influenced and mentored in the early 80s, as you'll see in my interview with him. Here's a rare live recording done at the Warehouse in Sacramento, California, by an early incarnation of the 77s band called the Scratch Band, and joining them on vocals, Steve Scott himself. I found your name among the crumbs I'd stolen from the wise I thought I'd steal the fire I saw burning in your eyes Though it's different path we've taken Still I'm not surprised We've ended up side by side Fastened to your name I've heard of all the things you did And all the things you claimed How you said your father favored All the losers in this game It seems to have left you here all Your finger bears no ring. This 
that your father has put his seal on everything Why then has he left you here, darling? On Full Circle, from a rare recording of early 77's band with Steve Scott on vocals. Now, you may have gathered the song was sung from the perspective of the prisoner being crucified alongside Jesus, who came to his defense in the midst of the mockery by the third prisoner being crucified at the same time. My guest, Steve Scott, wrote that song. And Steve is much more than just another Christian musician, having delved into poetry, which is spoken word artistry. He speaks at conferences and teaches at schools, has contributed articles for several periodicals, as well as becoming a published author. Born in London, England in the early 50s, transplanted to the States in the late 70s, Steve's traveled the world. His experiences have fueled various forms of art, reflecting his true worldview of the Christian culture and faith. Stay tuned. I think you'll enjoy my conversation with Steve Scott on Full Circle with Jerry Bryant. We're talking with Steve Scott on Full Circle. Now, Steve, back in the early 80s, you were involved with Exit Records, if I remember, and the Sacramento music scene was on happening. And I guess the question would be, how did a Brit from the UK end up working with the likes of Charlie Peacock and Mike Rowe and Stephen Soule, just to name a few that crossed your path? How'd that all happen? Well, it's a bit of a tangled story. Uh, when I was at art school in England in the early 1970s, uh, I was going to art school in uh, south, south of London, in Croydon, and in a village next to Croydon, in a little town called Carsholton, I discovered there were some American musicians, a guy called Randy Stonehill. I, I saw him play some songs at a, a nearby church, and through a mutual friend, a journalist Steve Turner, uh, I got connected to Randy, and um, we began sharing music and songs together and 
after a while he made a cassette of some of my songs and played them for a visiting friend of his name of Larry Norman who at that point was starting to think about uh, or was well into the planning of a record label called Solid Rock and so this is now we're at like mid 1970s and he began to talk to me about getting involved with the Solid Rock record label so uh, long story short I came over to America in the late 1970s initially to record with uh, Larry and Randy and uh, the late Tom Howard and the late Mark Hurd and those guys and we got pretty deep into the production of the record uh, things began to unravel a little bit with the label and uh, stuff that was going on down there in Southern California late 70s early 80s but Already, Randy Stonehill had played a concert in Northern California for Warehouse Ministries, Lewis and Mary Neely. And he brought me along with him to just meet these folks because this was a church that was very interested in the arts. And I was interested in churches that were interested in the arts. So I went with Randy and I met uh, the pastor and his wife and I met some of the young artists and musicians that were going to the church and as things began to loosen up in Southern California uh, the, the conversations about moving to Northern California uh, began to occur thick and fast. Eventually I did move to Northern California and I got involved with the church warehouse ministries and what was then called Sangre Productions which was the, the arts arm of the church and it featured everything from singer-songwriters to poets to people writing plays and eventually the church had a gallery in which they put up visual art. The Songbreak Productions art project led into an album called Come Back Soon that was featuring all the musicians that, that were around at the time or doing individual tracks Then, uh, and that album was produced by Tom Stipe. Uh, after that, in the early 1980s, the Sangre vision further refined into Exit Records. Mm. Uh, it wasn't leaving out of the other arts, there was still drama going on and dance and poetry and then visual art. Uh, but Exit Records became uh, one point of focus and with Exit Records uh, there was a, a band that was originally called Scratch Band featuring Mike Rowe and others and Mark Proctor and Mark Tootle and Jan Eric Vols. Um, and Sharon McCall then, McCall now Chamberlain. And they were, so we have this band called the Scratch Band that were playing, you know, local concerts for uh, high schools and stuff like that. And then they, they had a recording studio and they began to make records. The Scratch Band changed their name to the 77s. Jim Abag and Steve Griffith were there, and uh, with Bruce Spencer on drums, they formed a band called Vector. And uh, Charlie Peacock was with them for a short while, and then he became a solo artist and recorded a solo album with Exit Records. Uh, Tom Goodluna, some Panacea, uh, a sort of a violin-driven music uh, band. First Strike. Uh, something more of a hard rock band recorded for Exit Records and so Exit Records uh, went off with a, a big bang with all these artists, the 77's Vector, Charlie Peacock, First Strike, 
uh, Panacea, and they're out the gate with some uh, great sounding records. Now another guy that's very different is Randy Stonehill. You ended up playing uh, on his album The Sky Is Falling on a track called Bad Fruit. How did you get working on that project? It's simple. I was around the studio. I was watching the session go down. And as I recall, all I did, and I think the sleeve credits bears this out, was we did some jungle chanting. <laughs> so it was just a bit of a vocal background. I mean, Randy was working with some great musicians, you know, the late Tom Howard, the late John Lynn, who's a phenomenal electric guitarist, uh, Mark Hurd and others. So there wasn't much that I could bring to that particular conversation. But background jungle chanting, that was up my alley.
You're listening to classic Jesus music on Full Circle. And that was Randy Stonehill with the song Bad Fruit. Hi, this is Randy Stonehill, and you're listening to the very best of classic Christian music with my friend Jerry Bryant. Thanks, Randy. And helping out with some of that crazy jungle chanting toward the end of the song, my special guest, Steve Scott, as well as the late Tom Howard on keyboards. Allow me to pause just a moment and remind you that this is a listener-supported radio broadcast. Heard on radio stations, internet radio podcasts, even iHeartRadio picked us up not long ago. So grateful for all the opportunities that people can hear classic Jesus music. But to be transparent and honest, there's really no more than a dozen of my listeners who actually on a regular basis help underwrite and support the radio program. I'm sure there's folks who said, well, you know, someday I will, or I'd like to do it next week. And just, it never happens. If you'd like to change that, go to my website at www fullcirclejesusmusic.com that's fullcirclejesusmusic.com and all gifts are tax exempt thank you so much let's continue my interview with Steve Scott as we talk about a song called A Different Kind of Light actually you know I was so blessed to have the late Tom Howard uh, on the show in his studio and there's a big difference between Tom and you you have plenty to say, and I love that because that's making it makes it easier for an interviewer. And and Tom, um, he had a lot of yes no answers, but I was able to have a great interview. He was such an amazing talent. Good friends, of course, with Phil Kagi. Unfortunately, I happened to be there the night at Cornerstone Festival when Mark Hurd had his heart attack on stage, and uh, we'll we'll miss him. Yes, uh, continue to. But you, right in the middle of knowing all those people back in that time and I, I, I'm glad you mentioned the the 77's one of my favorite albums is Ping Pong Over the Abyss and you actually pinned the opening song for a different kind of light one of my favorites can you tell me a little bit about that song how it came about that song came about because I was recording an album called Moving Pictures for Larry Norman and he came to me and he said we need something a bit more upbeat. Um, I think I'd already done a song called Must Be More Than a Dream that had a lot of electric guitars on it. But I, I think to balance the album, he was saying we, we need something um, a little more driving and hard, harder edged. And so I wrote a different kind of light quite quickly to, you know, fit the bill. Uh, fill the gap, as it were. I heard about the light of progress. I could never see that far. Couldn't find the light of success. Must have had a change of address. I don't care what the people say. There's got to be a better way. Don't want the usual merchandise recycled. Yeah. 
different kind of light on Full Circle. Now, I wanted to talk to Steve about his first album in 1983, Love in the Western World. The opening track caught my attention. A song called Tower of Babel. Well, um, that was another song that I wrote, well, I'm not going to say fairly quickly, but I wanted to write something that was accessible and fairly driven, but I was interested a little bit in exploring the way language and reality was coming a little bit unglued in some people's philosophical systems. And um, hence, all the verses are about the way, you know, what we say and what we mean, or what we say and what we try and describe, what we say and how we communicate, tends to just fall apart a little bit and reflect our fallen nature. Really well said. I think it's quite interesting and novel that a language translation company has called themselves Babel. Mm-hmm. I've not used them, even though I do a lot of international traveling and missionary work in South America and Asia. But back then, um, when you wrote that song, I don't know how many people would even address that in music, a theme such as that. I was reading a lot, and some of the philosophers and social analysts that I was reading were addressing issues and questions like that, cultural plurality, the sort of the limitations of language in one culture to communicate something to another culture, the gap between language and the reality it was attempting to describe. Uh, reading you know, all these dusty books that address these sorts of things. And the idea of taking something somewhat ponderous and putting it into a hopefully accessible kind of pop song or rock song. Uh, I liked doing that. I liked doing that kind of thing. Is it just the human condition?
to where it all began at Full Circle. Welcome back to my special interview with Steve Scott. As we address something sorely lacking today, critical thinking. Uh, We had some serious thinkers that wrote music back in the day. Terry Taylor would be an example. People who uh, studied and read and even went to university or seminary. I know what you did that as well. Actually, I think that's what separates some of the Jesus music of my genre back in the 70s and 80s from some of the music today. And maybe that's why we had to wait six more years for another project for you, because you're busy reading. That song I'm thinking about, though, is Something's Gotta Change. It came out about six years later on the Lost Horizon Project, and it actually landed on the charts. How did that affect you, to see something like that get on the charts? This is the first I knew about it landing on the charts. <laughs> I, uh, But I'm happy, I'm thrilled that it landed on the charts. That was one of the songs that I wrote around the time that I was writing a lot of songs under the umbrella title of Emotional Tourist. Um, I spent a little bit of time in England just after the Love in the Western World album was finished and was coming out and I began to write more songs, more to do with uh, my experiences of traveling in different cultures. Um, If you go back to the album Love in the Western World, that was a lot of stuff about language, communication, media, the whales and the televangelists ideas about romantic love uh, that were propagated at at some point. So the the songs on that album explored a a specific kind of disconnect or a specific kind of dysfunction. Uh, By the time I started writing the songs under the, the title Emotional Tourist, I was interested in expanding that exploration into looking at the ways that people try to travel across cultures but we barely got beyond the surface of say another people or another culture um, I'm thinking you must have experienced this in your own travels in South America and Southeast Asia where you know we're tourists and we only see what's on the surface and we very rarely can drill down into the core or to the heart of what's going on with the community or people and I want you to explore that and the way that media, as it was growing, was uh, very superficially connecting us as peoples and cultures, and yet that sense of lostness and disconnect was still there underneath the surface. You go into the lyrics, you find that there's a lot, there's romantic disconnect, there's a, a sense of 
philosophical and political disconnect. Then there's just the attempts to hide from what you see in the world all around you, whether you're in a taxi cab trying to avoid starving children or turning off the TV to avoid the newscasts about wars and rumors of wars. Um, so the songs in Emotional Tourist were about being able to reach across cultures at a superficial level, but still be empty inside and really not get to the heart of those cultures you were trying to reach into. All my messages come back to me I can tell that they're unread And you don't return my phone calls Was it something we left unsaid? This is Steve Scott, and you're listening to the very best of classic Christian music with Jerry Bryant.
addiction that'll get you every time It's a gig that don't pay, like they say it's a crime I'm sinking in confusion and I don't know who to call The line is always busy and the writing's on the wall I'm no good at names and places, so don't get me in a fight I saw you going through your paces in the darkness and the light Do I need you for my mother, or do I just want you for tonight? You'll have to call me later, I just got to get it Love in the Western World, Steve Scott, my special guest on this episode of Full Circle. Interestingly, the word love is an expression for many of our emotions and feelings, and 
most of us never really get to the true depth of what real love is all about. And clearly, this disconnect has real consequences on our faith. Many times Christians have been accused of being shallow in their Christianity, um, you know, just my four or no more, go through the routines of Sunday morning service. And I'm wondering where you think the root of the disconnect lies. I mean, it might be easy to say the fear of just facing reality or the fear that it might obligate me. What do you think? And you've studied this, I'm sure, in seminary and in your writings. What are some of the real root issues that have to be addressed why we do disconnect? Still thinking about that. Um, I think some people, and of course this has to include myself, I prefer easy answers. Uh, there are areas of my life when I would, uh, I don't want to think about too much, and other areas of my life where I want to dig in really deep and um, explore. But I don't think deep thinking is encouraged in the church. The, when I came to faith, I remember a lot of conversations where the idea was is that there's a disconnect between the head and the heart. And what they mean by that is you can have an intellectual knowledge of Christianity, but if you don't have Jesus in your heart, then you are adrift or you're lost. But when, when the Bible talks about the heart, the biblical writers talk about the heart, they're talking about that center of a person which includes the imagination, the will, and in some ways the intellect. Whereas when some Christians I talk to talk about the heart, they're thinking of emotions and sentiments only. So they would, they would propose this, this disjunct between an academic intellectual head knowledge of Jesus versus a sort of a sentimental affection for Jesus. That's the feeling I got. The idea of a, a whole person digging in and exploring the hard questions of their faith, for me, that is, that is desirable. I think Christianity is intended to stand up to a whole person inquiry and a whole person exploration. And I believe that Christianity is intended to be lived out by the whole person. And that it's going to involve the intellect, the will, and the emotions. But we tend to bifurcate, as it were, split the head and the heart in ways that I don't think the biblical writers ever intended us to. And also, there is this emphasis, or there has been this emphasis on, well, Jesus is coming back soon, so why do we have to think? Up next, Steve Scott's label mate, Charlie Peacock, who's also done a lot of deep thinking over the years and has worked with Steve right from the beginning during his early years in the group Vector. Looking back to 1984, Lie Down in the Grass on Full Circle with Jerry Bryant.
Charlie Peacock, and the title track of his debut solo record, Lie Down in the Grass, a song that's a poetic message of God's desire for us to wonder at His majestic creation. Borrowing very loosely from the 23rd Psalm, Charlie encourages the listener to lie down in the grass, perhaps beside still waters, (laughs) to humble ourselves and revel in the glory of God. This is Jerry Bryant. Let me give you the website one more time. If you'd like to hear some past episodes and find out more, go to www.fullcirclejesusmusic.com. That's fullcirclejesusmusic.com. And on the webpage, at the top right is a donate button. All gifts are tax exempt. And thanks. Now, on this episode, I've been intentionally focusing on the more avant-garde experimental Jesus music from back in the day. So you, the listener, don't think I only play country rock or ballads. (laughs) My guest has been Steve Scott, and, and lately Steve's been finishing up a book manuscript on creativity and the Gospel of John. And in our closing conversation, he discusses some ideas found within the book. We also reflected on some final thoughts regarding Jesus music and the engaging of the culture in a real and positive way. I've always believed that Jesus music and some of the early Jesus music artists were really driven by a passion uh, that they could describe. He was worthy of everything in the way we think and the way we act, and not just something we talk about on Sunday school today. Steve, I, I don't know if you've got any final dissertation you'd like to give us. I'm so glad you came on the show. Thank you so much for having me on this show, Joe. It's great to get to be on this show and to stretch out and just think these things through with you. I will say uh, talking about the Gospel of John is is one thing. It's something that's available to us all, whether we read it personally, devotionally, or we listen to it preached on a Sunday or in a midweek Bible study, we start to use the Gospel of John to dig in to thinking about our own creativity and our own cultural engagement. I think if we all just dig in a little bit deeper uh, and look back to those examples, I mean, your show is about the classics of Jesus Rock. And many of those guys wrote from, you know, from a a great heart, but they also wrote from uh, a great understanding of the, the media and the form and things like that. So if we go back, we can go back to the 1970s, we can go back even further. I was recently reading some material on John and Charles Wesley, astonishing hymn writers who aspired to communicate their faith in forms taken from the poetry of the day, but also influenced by the early church fathers, such as Ephraim of Syria and Melito of Sardis. And so the Wesley's stuff stands on, in its own right, but the Wesley brothers were drawing on drinking from a very deep well. And I think if we can follow their example, both in our pursuit of excellence and our digging deep into our own faith tradition, I think we'll all be better for it. In the 90s, it seemed to me you focused more on your poetic spoken word recordings, 
kind of overlaid with that electronic ambient music. Yes. And I like that, but why did your focus shift to that style instead of the traditional alternative music format? I just found it easier to perform spoken word. When I first began in the 1960s, I was doing poetry readings uh, when I was in art school, late, arts, uh, late 60s art school and early 70s, and I wrote poetry, and I performed doing poetry readings in clubs, and the business with uh, singing and performing with a band, it was a good thing to explore, to challenge, but I felt where I felt the most comfortable and where I felt I could communicate the most emotion was in spoken word. And what I went for in my songs and what I went for in trying to, what I tried to get the bands to play and we tried to record, that became concentrated with the sound loops. So I began to just like bear down on the essence of what there was about certain sound patterns that really moved me emotionally or I've, I felt good about. So being able to take snippets of found sound or come up with ambient music on the keyboards and just speak over the top of that and just travel when I did travel with cassettes. It's very portable and for me it had a lot more emotional impact to be able to perform in this way. Whereas when I'm singing with a band, I didn't really feel much of a rock star or a sort of a performing person in that, in, in that kind of way. I found myself much more comfortable talking and talking over sound beds that I'd created. Who among the angels? Dear mother, for you, the rainbow has ended. And what you thought was gold was only the beam of light from your own heart, playing over the broken surfaces of unsaid things, unfinished stories. You have walked this beach for a thousand years, looking back only at the solitary line of footprints, woven like a dark thread along the sea's unfinished edge. Everything you have said to the bright, empty sky comes back to you on the wind and the murmuring tide. Who among the angels has not looked down and wept with you as you pulled at the tight threads of what you fear will never come undone? Nothing can change this. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing can change this. Nothing. But as for you, my little one, in that cold, jagged moment when all things suddenly stopped, did you notice the star as it broke from the high constellation and fell towards you until it filled your night? 
as its soft light washed over you, gathered you up. Who can say when your frail heart went under, surrounded by the thunder of his wings? Did your eyes open like flowers, swimming into the bright depths of his burning gaze, as he bore you ever higher to where the rainbow starts? Who among the angels has not rejoiced with you, looking on as you become like gold, pure gold in the furnace of his heart? Here a story has begun in which nothing can hurt you, nothing, nothing can hurt you, nothing, nothing can hurt you, nothing, nothing. My special guest, Steve Scott, with a poetic eulogy that he wrote for his mother entitled, Who Among the Angels? Well, I'd like to express again my thanks to Steve for taking time, while he was here in Nashville, to sit down and reminisce about his work throughout the years and the influence that his life has had on early Jesus music. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for listening. Until next time, keep your eyes to the sky, let your light shine. This is Jerry Bryant. Full Circle is recorded in the Jesus Solid Rock Studios in Nashville, Tennessee. Written by Russell Baum. Full Circle is a JSR production. This is Full Circle.